The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We've got a new episode here, the 20th episode of the Odds and End Zones podcast on the great Leading Green Nation Radio Network. I'm your host. Seamus Clancy, Deputy Sports Editor of PhillyVoice.com. I am joined, as always, by my boy, Zoe. Zoe, how are you living? What's up, brother? Good to be here, as always. Good to, uh, on this on this rainy Sweet 16 Thursday. This is a perfect day for the Sweet 16. Again, uh, for people not aware, I don't know when this podcast will come out. Maybe it's Thursday afternoon, Thursday night, Friday morning yeah. recording late Thursday morning. So we have a whole slate of all of the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games coming up for us. We also have, which will certainly recap, the craziest NFL offseason ever. I know we've talked about this earlier. We talked about an episode about the Carson Wentz going to Washington, Commander Carson, all that <laughs> kind of weird, all the weird stuff. I don't actually don't want to have on record saying on the podcast, but <laughs> you definitely get what I'm saying here. Uh, yesterday, it was the – Tyreek Hill trade that came out of nowhere. I was uh, out and about doing some writer, journalism, reporter stuff, talked with a couple national NFL media members, and even they had no inclination, no clue that a deal like this was going to happen, that Tyreek either wanted out, that seemed like the consensus was that following, again, another crazy trade, the two best wide receivers in the NFL got traded in the last two weeks. Yep. And we could put aside saying like Tyreek Hill, we, especially for people like me and you have talked about the Sean Watson, how, uh, you know, terrible he is. We have to, again, acknowledge what Tyreek Hill has done in his career, some issues with domestic violence and child abuse. He's not someone I would particularly want on the Eagles, whether you're a fan or to cover, uh, akin to Deshaun Watson in that regard. But, you know, in a vacuum, in a blanket, you have to consider him a top two wide receiver. And I think the Adams trade in that huge contract he got, was the impetus for Tyreek saying, hey, I want a deal like that. I want a bigger deal than that. Oh, yeah. And just because of the Mahomes contract, they are so hamstrung and couldn't give him that deal. And and I was talking to this with my dad and some other people. It seems wild the way in after what was that, the 2019 season, we automatically said the Chiefs were going to win six of the next 10 Super Bowls. Yeah. And because of the way contracts happen, because of yeah. just the parity – that the NFL brings, people look in a situation where Holmes won Super Bowl MVP in what his second year as a starter. Yeah, yeah. And maybe he never makes it back. And that's not a fault of him. That's just the NFL. I, I honestly I think it started with you know with Christian Kirk 
you know. Yeah. He got he got his money, and guys saw that and were like, nah, like I'm not taking pennies on the dollar now. <laughs> you know, like here's my, you know, here here's what Christian Kirk did last year. Here's what I did. You know, I like I, I'm sure Andy Reid was not happy to see that deal because no. he knew exactly what that's gonna look like. And I know, like, you know, listen, just like any other business, you know, just like any other professional business, at least, like guys typically respect guys wanting to get paid. So as much as I'm sure Mahomes was pissed yesterday, I, I'm, I'm also sure that he can't begrudge a dude wanting to get his money because more than likely that's this is his last, you know, max contract. Um, yeah. But the I, I think that um, what we're seeing, at least this offseason and at least from <laughs> at least from the Rams and from the every other every team, almost every team in the AFC is it's becoming more like the NBA, right? Like guys are asking yes. out, guys are saying, ship me here, I want to go here. It's a lot more player empowerment, which I think is awesome. But I think it's also something that I think we're finding it so weird because the NFL typically has not been that way, right? It's always yes. – it's they're now operating in a way where, oh, maybe this max contract doesn't hamstring us as much. You know, maybe this dude – Having forty million guaranteed on the books isn't as big a deal as we thought because we can still go out and get that running back who's who's pissed off. We can go get that cornerback who wants a, a change of pace, or you know, we can go get that linebacker who doesn't want to be on the East Coast anymore. Like I think that the Rams set the precedent for you know one way to win, which is cash all your chips in, and in this in this case, your chips are are your draft picks. Get as much talent as you can, and depend on your coaching staff to 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 bring it all together. They, the Rams may not ever make it back to the Super Bowl, but that the the blueprint exists for one season at least. You know what I mean? Like, and that's really all it takes. Like, if 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 you're if you're an owner and a GM, and part of your tenure is saying, "All right, I bought you three NFC championships and one Super Bowl in five years." That's pretty damn good. You know, I, I'll take yeah. that. You know, <laughs> you know, so I think that that's what we're seeing. I, I think that we're entering in as far as NFL goes, that that uh, phase of, you know, player empowerment where players are are taking it more into their own hands now in terms of what they do, you know, where they play and and and, and how much they how much control they have over what they get paid. Yeah. And it's sort of the NBA ification of the NFL. Yep. I love the point you brought up with the Rams because it feels like, and maybe it's a little too reactionary, but it's been building over the last couple of years with the Rams that their head decision maker, Les Snead, seems to be almost a little bit revolutionary in changing the game yep. in a way and being, again, on the forefront of saying, hey, we just built this insane stadium in L.A. You want to live in L.A.? You want to play in California? Right. You want the glitz and glam and you want to be on a team that's win now pilled, like we said in the in previous podcast. That might be the way it goes going forward in the in the NFL. And I'm not gonna exactly say, I mean, NFL is inherently a more a league that has more parity than all the other ones in the yeah, North American sure. professional yeah. sports. But I'm wondering, and maybe some Eagles fans could be concerned in a way that could be getting in a way where it is NBA in the way that certain markets become premier destinations. And we see that with all these people going to the Rams. You see Tyree Kill wanting to go to South Beach. And you have situations like this. And maybe it's wrong because you see Deshaun Watson, who 
the Eagles were in on. Maybe they weren't in on whatever that situation might play out. Yeah. I don't really know. Maybe we'll find out in a tell-all book in a couple of years. But he ends up in Cleveland. So maybe it's not exactly there yet because certainly Cleveland isn't the most prominent destination in America, I would say. I think that's right. that's fair to say, even that's as uh, someone who hasn't been to Cleveland. And I'm sure people in Cleveland don't have the highest opinion of Philadelphia, so maybe it's a wash. But you get what I'm saying there. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that – no, go ahead. Finish your point. There you go. To piggyback and, and, and to expand a little bit, I think it also is – you're finding a lot of these DMs starting to scramble, right? Because they don't know yeah. how to react. And I think we saw that yesterday. Like, <laughs> I think we quickly saw the Chiefs be like, "Oh, dude, we can't pay you this. Like, we we can't we can't we can't do thirty five million guaranteed or whatever it is." And being like, "All right, like, look, you guys can go seek a trade. Like, we're not we can't pay that." And then all of a sudden. You know, you do the word that the text gets out, and you got all of a sudden the Dolphins come in and say, "Look, we got six, for, we got six draft picks for you." Like it happens really quick, and that I'll say to that I'll say, um, that's definitely it's definitely become really reactionary. These past couple of weeks have been super reactionary. Yeah. Like tomorrow, tomorrow the or today, the Seahawks are like, "Look, we're listening. We'll listen to to anything for anybody." I, I guarantee you the mill starts spinning about, yo, the, the Eagles are offering a first, a second, a third for DK Metcalf or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's just become all of a sudden a super reactionary league. And I think you're what you're also finding is, like you said, those smaller market teams are, they're making their splashes early. They're not waiting. You know, the Jacksonville's, you know, like they did everything. They went out and they got the Super Bowl winning coach. You know, they got the guys who they won around there. They're high profile, you know, young quarterback, and you know the Browns for however we feel. Well, we they you know how we feel about that situation, but they went and got yeah their guy, quote unquote. Um, so I think I think we're really seeing it. They're becoming super reactionary, and it's starting with the the smaller market teams outside of the Rams, you know, making making the splashes. Yeah, and I think we are on the cusp of a new team building style because mm-hmm. since the new or the CBA was changed after there was a brief lockout or work stoppage in 2011 that changed the rookie contracts. You know, there was a a rookie wage scale because then you went from a guy like Sam Bradford getting a contract as the first overall pick worth 50 or $60 million to the following year, Cam Newton being the first pick on being on a fixed contract. I'm not going to say he's on a fixed income. Like he's a quote unquote normal person. We get what I'm saying. And, and, the Seahawks really pioneered that style because they hit on Russell Wilson in the third round. And he's not just making rookie money. He's making third round rookie money, right. which is dirt compared to all the other quarterbacks in the league. And nonetheless, still playing like a top 10 quarterback, even when he was that young and inexperienced at the NFL level. And then they go to the Super Bowl and win in 2013. They go back and win in 2014. They have these highly priced roster of these talented, great players all over around Russell Wilson making this cheap contract and the Eagles see that and they replicate that formula in 2017 with Carson Wentz still in the second year of his rookie deal. They signed it. They bring in all these big free agents in the 2016 and 2017 offseason. And obviously Wentz wasn't the guy lifting the Lombardi trophy as a Super Bowl MVP at the end of that year, right. but unquestionably because of his performance and because of the contract he was on, the rest of the roster was allowed to be as talented as it was. And the same thing played itself out with Kansas city and when home, Mahomes wins in his third year, as a third year in the league, his second year as a starter. 
they win the Super Bowl, they're able to have this stacked roster around him. And when that second quarterback contract comes, it changes the complexion of everything. And you're looking at it in Green Bay with these monster deals that Aaron Rodgers is getting. And I'm never going to be like a guy that says like, oh, you have to be like Tom Brady and take pay cuts. First of all, yeah. Tom Brady is getting paid on, has been getting paid on the side for yeah. the Patriots for a decade with all like, the TB12 <laughs> yeah. workout stuff. Like right. that's almost common knowledge without being in a super official thing. They're circumventing the salary cap. So it's a little BS there, but I'm never going to rag on a guy like Aaron Rodgers for getting his. It's good for himself. It's good for the players union. It's good for all these things, but it does create a situation where it's harder to build a quarterback around, build a team around an elite quarterback after his first contract. And I think we might be seeing a situation, not just the way that quote unquote star players are moving so quickly and rapidly around the league, but I think we're going to increasingly see teams moving on from quarterbacks who were day one and day two picks before they even get to that second contract, whether it's trades or saying, Hey man, you go test for agency. We'll see what we do because we're just going to draft another guy on day one or day two next year. And we're going to restock the cupboard around him, give out some nice fat contracts to the offensive line. We're going to draft a wide receiver with one of our other picks and have an impact immediate player and get some great defensive players. I think that could be a situation where the Eagles where maybe they don't like a guy in this draft. Maybe they, they were, they weren't whatever. And on, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, and they like Jalen Hurts this year. That's okay. We made the playoff berth, but and they're looking at, hey, do we want to give Jalen Hurts a second contract? No, so let's draft a guy this year. And if that guy's not not just not a good quarterback, but not a super duper elite quarterback in the Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, Rogers tier, we're just going to move on and do the repeat the same thing and make sure we have an elite roster around a quarterback. Yeah. And we're going to have a good coaching staff in place to maximize a young quarterback. Maybe that's not Jalen Hurts, but again, I'm saying in a year or two, it could be someone else that's on a rookie scale contract, whether it's Bryce Young or whoever next year. And I, I think that the, the the impetus around around all of that is just how confident are you in in the rest of your roster? Yeah. Right. Because just like anywhere else your confidence in the under half of your roster dictates how how big a swing you you want to take right so like the jalen hurts is a perfect example because i i think that uh we talked about this before i don't they're obviously not sold uh they yeah it's it's pretty obvious they don't think he's right how he says this nick says this right we saw it all off season they didn't want to commit to him as a starter they're trying to do it this year they want to build a his confidence clearly the two of us and everyone around the team in the league couldn't speak highly enough of him as a person right we love Jalen. we love what he brings to the table as a person as a leader of the intangibles obviously it's not all there on the field in terms of the the arm talent so they do want to make an upgrade they're they're not stupid if you know jason aav knows it on twitter then everyone (laughs) else knows around the web and they in the actual nfl right and 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 to that I think that also hampers how big a swing you want to take, right? Like it's yeah. also saying, you know, the Eagles are in on this guy, out on the sky, on this guy. I totally think that it, it has affected just how, just how conservative or just how liberal they want to be in, in decisions they make this year because they're just not sold on on the head guy. So they want to. I'm sure that the idea is let's put some more time for people around him. Let's you know let's continue to. Let's keep the offensive line 
you know, stack, reload it. Let's reload it. Let's reload the trenches and let's see, you know, what he does with one or two more talented guys around him on offense and, you know, a defense that can continue to take the ball away or take the ball away more. I personally, I still think they have a lot of work to do. This is a team that just hasn't, isn't, and hasn't been the most talented. You know, they, 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 they made the playoffs um because of a you know weak division last year and all that stuff has been rehashed but i really think that in those terms the fact that they are not sold on on the leader on on the quarterback is the reason they've been you know semi-conservative in, in the swings that they took now does that mean that they'll be conservative on draft night probably not i actually think they're going to be they, they might be one of the biggest moves and shakers on draft night we'll see Unquestionably, because it's, it's how he makes moves. How he makes more moves than anyone. Exactly. How, you know, how he makes moves. He, and and what he's good at, or I guess one of the things that he likes to say he's good at, he's always, <laughs> <laughs> he likes to make moves for two or three years ahead, right? So we'll, we'll Costanza-esque. see Costanza-esque right. <laughs> job security. Right. Exactly, right. So, like, you know, he that's how he earned that extension. He likes to, you know, he likes to make sure he rehashes the moves he's made, you know, two or three years ago to to put him in this position now. So I, I don't I don't think that this means that they'll, you know, that they're done. Um they're probably done in free agency, you know, outside of Zach Pascal, which is that's a that's a leaf in the wind to me and and to everybody else it sounds like. But um I, I personally feel like draft night's gonna be a big night for them in terms of you know re, rebuilding or reloading the, the roster, at least the the middle to middle and bottom half of it. Perhaps fortunate for Jalen and maybe to the dismay a bit of the Eagles front office and decision makers and whatever you want to say, the the ownership group, really poor quarterback class, right, this year. And it could have been a situation where if Jalen performed worse than he did, if he didn't lead the Eagles to the postseason. Right. And they didn't have this historic rushing attack that he is the you know the core nucleus for that, they would be in the market for a quarterback in the draft. Yeah. If it was a oh, good yeah. quarterback draft, yeah. especially when they have those three first round picks, they have more capital than anyone to go up and get what they want. It just happens to be a poor quarterback class to me. I, right. I, I don't really see anyone who jumps out. I mean, uh, Malik Willis has the physical tools. And sometimes I I, I don't even like the, the branding we get with quarterbacks. Like, yeah, uh, Malik Willis is black. So he has physical He's tools. Got the I mean, physical tools. Right. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I've never spoken to Malik Willis as a person. He could be the most intelligent quarterback I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like, but from these right. outsiders, like online draft Twitter, we we don't know those things. Right. But from just seeing some highlights of his Liberty play, I didn't love what I saw. But seems like someone in that combine setting clearly has an unbelievable killer arm. Looks amazing. But someone, because of the competition level, from the little bit I've seen of him watching, I think I watched two or three Liberty games this year that I was yeah. betting on last fall. Didn't love what I saw, especially at that competition level. Kenny Pickett. He's the guy I kind of like the most, even though I don't think he's like amazing. Yeah. Like I'm not taking him at 15 or 16 or or 19, and certainly not trading up for him. Yeah, I guess the hand size the thing. But then like sometimes I get weird when we're. It's fun to get amped about the you know the spider graphs on mock draftable when they look like <laughs> yeah. amazing, like Jordan Davis and stuff like that. Yeah. But sometimes I wonder if we're like getting almost into like phrenology and we're like, oh, his hand's too small to play in the NFL. Like, do you know what I mean? It just like seems kind of weirder off in a way. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, Joe Burrow was supposed to have small hands. I mean, he looked right. like he Joe Burrow, turned Joe out Burrow pretty good. And I guess they had small hands, right? He almost retired because of it. He almost retired because of his small hands. 
<laughs> and then it's and then I kind of uh, mess around on more aesthetic things. Like, oh, Kenny Pickett, he wears a glove on his throwing hand. That's more of a concern yeah. about his. I, he probably does it because of the hand right, size right, to get right, a little yeah. bit of better grip. But that's more of a, a concern on a superficial level than anything regarding if he has baby hands or the hands of Charlie's uncle, the lawyer on Always Sunny Philadelphia. Also, yeah, whatever that uh, also Jamar Chase can't catch. So, yeah, you know. he doesn't. He doesn't know how to catch an NFL football. It's right. not he the can't same catch as a NFL football. football. He doesn't have the route tree, um, you know. All, yeah, all, Justin all Jefferson's going to – he needs – he doesn't know how to run outside routes. Right, so right, can't right. Do Justin Jefferson's pure slot guy, right. Um, I, I, I think Do you think there's any – do you think they would draft a guy? I mean, by a guy, I mean a quarterback. I, I agree. I, I just I, think it's, it's, it's just not the class for it. It's just not the class for it. I just don't think so. I, I think it honestly would be – it would be pretty weird to to spend one of those picks on a quarterback. I just don't think you need to. And I just don't think that any of those guys warrant it, especially given if you have – this is a weird class, not so much in the sense of um, there's no good players, there's a ton of great players. And this is actually specifically really good draft if you need defense. Yeah. Probably between 11 and 15 guys – from that national championship Georgia team that are NFL players. They went to the combine and they tested through the roof. So, you know, if you get to 15 and you got your choice of Jordan Davis, Kobe Dean, and, you know, two of those tall and rangy Georgia safeties, like I just don't see how you don't take two of those four back to back. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't see it. You need so much help on the middle and the back end and the line of that defense, I I just can't see how you don't shore up that side of the ball too. Because re- realistically, that helps your quarterback more than anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. like if you if, if you if you can't go out and get the the other kind of weapons that you want on offense, the least you could do is make sure you have a defense that can get the opposing offense off the field back into the hands of your of your quarterback. So they can do what they need to do, or at least try to do it. Like that—that's just as big as help. If you know you already are going to be shorthanded on the offensive side of the ball, talent-wise. Yeah, and we acknowledge Jalen isn't the most talented passer of all time, but I, I don't think it's—I'm about to say guarantee because nothing's guaranteed. But I don't even think there's like that high of a likelihood any of those guys will have a more tantalizing first two years as a pro. Maybe right. Malik Willis, maybe Kenny Pickett. Who knows? Right. Carson Strong. To me, it doesn't seem worthwhile to just restart everything. Maybe yeah. you want to just – if it's in a sense where you just want to restart the rookie quarterback contract, that makes a little bit more sense to me. But are, are you going to set your franchise back three, four years because you're waiting it out for a guy who's not the guy? Maybe you're right. doing that already. Right. Why even get further back into the mix? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 
360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I really want Jordan Davis. If maybe it's like it seems more of a fun pick or anything, but it comes down to me. People are saying like you can't take a run stuffer that early, but I don't think he's just a run stuffer. He was the best player on the best defense, best collegiate defense that I have ever seen. That's not just because he's a run stuffer. He can't be blocked just by a center. He can't (laughs) be blocked just by – it just – physicality-wise, it just can't happen. Even obviously the guards at the NFL level are better than the guards at Kentucky or Vanderbilt or those things. But he's demanding a double team every time he's out there. And to think that he can't have any effect on the pass rush, which he did at times at Georgia. Obviously, he's he's the type of player where you literally can't run the ball in the middle of the field. That just wipes out an entire facet of an offensive attack. Uh, But when you look at the the skills he brings in terms of what he ran or did this three-cone drill at the combine, the the speed and athleticism is apparent. He's not, you know – the Jared Lorenzo of defensive tackles right. out there. <laughs> right. And someone threw out a Mike Mamula comp, not in terms of play style, but just the the buzz around the the player because of what he did at the combine. Mike Mamula played at Effin Boston College. Jordan Davis, as I said, was the best defensive yeah. player on a national championship team that had the best defense I've ever seen in my 20 years watching. And the college best football. conference in football. And the best and the best <laughs> con and a better conference than the NFC East. Right. <laughs> like, and I, I just think that I also think it's a huge, it's a huge slight to him to to even make the comparison because he wasn't just a one-year wonder. The guy's been there for three years and he's been absolutely crushing everything put in front of him. The one thing they asked of him last year was to to lose weight. He came in to spring ball before last season at his lightest and his most athletic, and they were all blown away. Like, just go through the interviews, and they were just all like, he does everything you ask him to do. He The, the guy is just he's supremely coachable. He's so good at what he does, and he stays on the field. Like he's a four down lineman. He's not. Yeah, like, people are like, oh, like let's see how he does in the third quarter when he's like tired. I, get that like the lazy fat guy label off this. <laughs> like, Something that both me and you could probably attest to to a degree. Uh, but th- th- that just does not apply to him. <laughs> it, at, just, in the it really doesn't. And also, when when all of a sudden is it a bad thing that even if he is just a run stopper? Teams don't run the ball. Like, do you you just also signed. if he's on the if he's on the field on a passing down, you have to just put two guys on him. Do you know what I mean? He's going to collapse the pocket even if he's not the guy that's racking up sack numbers. And maybe you get uh, you know the defensive end from Florida State with one of the other picks with fifteen and right. sixteen. And Jordan uh, Davis is crashing the pocket from the middle of the field, and then you have Josh Sweat and uh, Johnson just running wild on the quarterbacks. That sounds also, like an enticing combination. And you and you just you just gave a gigantic contract 
to your quote unquote new lot new middle linebacker. Like you don't think yeah. Hassan Reddick will want to see uh you know nothing but a little running back standing in front of him if he's got oh, his man. nose tackle taken up two two offensive linemen? Like why why not make life easier on everybody else and also draft the like the premier nose tackle in the draft? Like you gave you just gave Fletcher Cox $14 million. So it obviously means something to you to have a, a, a space heater in the middle there. So like it 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 would be the ultimate passing of the torch to have Jordan Davis spend a year with Fletcher. You know what I mean? Like And then you have for the next seven years, Milton Williams and Jordan Davis. Right. Like make life easier on yourself. I, I just don't think that I, I, I think draft talk is it gets so I know you're about to get into it, you know, because you know you guys actually have to cover it, but like it gets so bogged down. Everything is so like the draft should happen earlier because everyone just talks in effing circles and right. it becomes nonsense speak by that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Everybody talks in circles after a while and and all and then draft night comes and everybody's just sick of it. We just want to hear the picks at that point. We've already yeah. heard it. We've we've heard we've heard what they can do, what they can't do, what Kuiper thinks, what you know, what ESPN thinks, what the guys from NFL Network thinks, who you know, whose mom says don't send him to Baltimore. Who's my, you know, who, <laughs> whose dad wants him to go to Miami? Like, dude, like we've heard all of it. We get it. You know, we're just ready for the picks on draft night. So I, I, I totally, I totally understand the when people are just like are, are, are tired of listening to draft talk. He reminds me of John Henderson was like the biggest person on the planet. Yeah, yeah. that video of John Henderson getting slapped. That's the best. That's like the best sports video. It's the ever. best video ever. Yeah. If you have to don't look it up, like if you're not familiar with a Jaguars defensive tackle, pro bowler, early 2000s, John Henderson wore number 98. Just seems like the craziest, uh, most back, whatever, MF or ever. Kind of reminds me of a little bit of John Randall in that way, even though John Randall ran yeah. rushed more so from the outside. And he would just get this Jaguars uh, assistant, staff, coach, whatever, to just smack the whatever off of him like he was. Papa Oka for to get him amped up for the game. And like, I would be scared to imagine John <laughs> Henderson asking you to like slap the crap out of her. I'd be terrified. That's, that's, part. that kind of reminds me one of our, like, my growing up, one of our, like, the, the crazy kid growing up in our friend group, like the kid that was the oh, most yeah. fighter, whatever thing. Yeah. He, in high school, I didn't, I, I didn't, he, they were all the Roman crew. Obviously, we went to the prep, but they were telling me like, some days he's like, dude, I'm, so tired. Can you just like punch me in the face to wake me up? And like, <laughs> you will lose your mind if we punch you in the face just now. Like the the funniest part is is him saying that's not hard enough. Like the first time he's like, "Come on, Joe!" Like that's not hard enough. And then oh my the God. dude just falls off the second and third time. It's great. It's one of the. It's honestly you sh- you should watch that video if you're ever having a rough morning. It's the greatest video ever. That's that's something you watch when you wake up the first Sunday of week one and it's like right. 8 a.m. You're making the bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich in the kitchen. You got a mimosa going, and then you watch that video to get you. And you're ready, right? It's game day, week one. It's still like we're in that we're in that in-between phase. So like it's not 90, but it's like 76 degrees. Yes. And like you're you're you got the jersey and shorts combo. Yeah. Jersey and shorts on, you're ready to head down to the lots, and the last thing you do in the Uber. Is watch that video. You're like, all right, I'm ready. Like you're you're ready. Yeah. Put the shades on. Let's go. 
he just seems like the coolest guy to have on a team. Like, oh, for sure. like he's and I think if they if they're rushing five with Redick as the Sam Blitzer, that I think is going to. We talk about Jonathan Gannon. Oh, he doesn't have good players in this team. I think Jonathan Gannon is better than the average casual. And not saying like the way NBA Twitter talks about casuals. Just mean like the Eagle NFL inherently has more casual fans than any other fan oh, base. Yeah. It's a once a sure. it's a once a week affair. Really, like, uh, defensive coordinator stinks, and I get that. I've said that different times right. about every Eagles defensive coordinator besides Jim Johnson. But I think once he gets a guy who's a huge schematic fit, and as much as we love Hassan Reddick, he's a Temple guy. He's from the area, from here, Camden. Seems like he was a walk on at Temple. Seems like yep. he has that grind, that story that we adore, especially in this this Philly area. It's kind of like we were talking about earlier before the show with like the Temple Pro Day stuff. And to have him, he seems like the perfect. I don't want to say like chess piece and Queen yeah. and Rook. Those are such cliches. But he seems like the perfect fit for Jonathan Gannon. Yeah. If they're rushing five, yeah. with whether it's Fletch or Milton Williams or Hardgrave or Jordan Davis, and you have Josh Sweat, you have whoever else on the outside, that's a monster attack. And also, and the way that this that second level of the defense has been so terrible forever, they might really have a nice front seven this year. And you know the it, the front seven dictates everything else because they haven't been able to make the upgrade they want to make. In the secondary, and it's a secondary outside of Slay that needs some help, you know. And like you build that front seven up to where it's past admirable. Like neither front seven is going to put some pressure on the quarterback, and get some sacks, and make and honestly make life really rough on an opposing quarterback. Like you know, get they did not do that back. last year. They did no. not do that last year for for the, for the team really that has so much resources poured into their defensive line. They did not do that, and I think yeah. they need – and it yeah. sucks the uh, – David Ojabo, I don't want to mispronounce his last name. I'm not privy to that ultimately. But, you know, just the way we talk about in the draft, because you read someone's name online, you right. watch you clips of them online. Yeah. yeah, sometimes you don't even – it doesn't click in your head. But that ACL track, he was my favorite yeah. edge guy in this class, and if he was there at 15, it seemed like the biggest luck ever right to there. take him. And it's such a shame and more of a shame than anything for him and his pro career, and I hopefully he has a nice – healthy career is able to do this, whether it's with the Eagles, he, wherever he goes, I'm not taking away from like uh, essentially a life-changing moment yeah. injury for him, but from a perspective of someone who covers the Eagles or Eagles fans, whatever you want to say, that really sucks. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, especially with everybody, everybody getting the, or the two leaders of that line getting longer than two, like who knows, with this rehab is doing the DJ. Like who knows, you know, how he'll come back. I forgot, like I play. forgot about him when I was mentioning it, just because BG is, you know, a top five Eagle ever for me in terms of favorites, which I think uh everyone would be it's a, close to a consensus amongst Eagles fans, especially of our generation. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's a catastrophic injury and no one would surprise me more to come back for that and still be an absolute dog than BG, but it's scary. Yeah. It's scary. And it's also it's tough because, you know, uh in this town we've seen it, uh, with Ryan Howard. Once you do it once, oh. it's it's really easy to do it again to on the other side. Like it 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 they are those are injuries that unfortunately tend to take a toll on the other half of your body. Like you, yes. you know, you you spend so much time strengthening the one half at the other side, you know. And similar to ACL injuries, the other side tends to tends to weaken. Um, so we'll, so we don't even know. You know, again, he is he's top five to, to I'm sure all of us in, in terms of a bird's lore. But um, 
we have no clue what he's going to look like when he comes back. I think we're not that neither of us is a medical professional. Right. The college, the science class I took in college was intro to astronomy and got like a C minus, and then that's the lowest grade you could have gotten. <laughs> Uh, that was the last final I took. Look, another quick aside, but I think it's funny. Uh, like I took time off from Penn. I had to go back and do one semester and I had to take like the math class. I did. I had to take all the hard classes that I pushed off yeah. the entire time, the math yeah. and science class. And, you know, the, fir- the first test I get the intro astronomy, do a little bit of studying. Obviously, I'm 23, not really in student mode anymore. <laughs> get back at like a, everything gets curved and everything. But I got like a 37 on the test and I was like, this is this is untenable. So I emailed the person, hey, can we have a little little chat or whatever? And so I go to his office. It's in like the most rinky-dink opposite side of campus building. And go up to his office. He has like a wait outside because someone else talking to me goes in. He has like a basketball on his desk because I guess it's like one to be like the cool guy or also yeah. like physics, like gravity. Like, yeah. <laughs> sort of, so I go down, I sit in the chair and I pick up the basketball and I put it in my lap. And I was like, and I had the test in my other hand. I was like, listen. I took a bunch of time off of school. I don't have any money to pay for another semester. What, what's it going to be like? And he was just like, basically like, <laughs> just come to class and like do the homework and like take the test and you'll be okay. I'm like, are you sure? And he was like, I was like, I'm probably not the only person who said this to you. And he's like, no, you're not. Like this happens literally every semester we have people like you. I was like, okay. And then that, that was my final, the, my last time on campus as a Penn student. The last thing I had to do was take the final in that class. And, you know, we got like a hundred, like he gave us a hundred things to study yeah. for the test. I memorized like 50 of them. And obviously the other 50 was what was on the final. So I'm like taking the test. I'm like, I, I, I don't know any of this. And I hand it in and like, he's waiting <laughs> at the top. And I make sure I give him like a really nice handshake. Like, thank you so much for the semester. I learned so much. Like, you know, this was great to end my pen career with right. this. Like, yep. you know, good luck with the rest of this scholastic year. You can get like a C plus. But I was a little nervous that I was like, imagine like the the time off and then back. I'm like, oh, I finally graduated. And it's like, oh, actually, you have oh. to do another semester next year and retake intro to Australia. They're like, nah, dude. Yeah, they're like, we'll, we'll see you. Probably not. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see you last week in August because you're, you're taking physics again. I think the only thing I remembered is why the sky is blue. That was like the one thing like he said at every class. And he was like, you have to know that like in real life why the sky is blue. And I only well, kind yeah. of remember it. <laughs> Like that's a that's a you know what that's a good that's probably the one thing I would take away too is like I don't care about anything else aside from why the sky is blue anything else I, I please keep to yourself. Do you remember there was these crazy I don't even know because I did terrible in the class like comets or like light shows that were happening in like 2017 like, it, yeah. like people always like trying to get into this so that happened at the time and that was like the big like he almost changed the curriculum based off that and obviously I don't even remember what that thing was called or what it was. But it was so long ago. It was five years ago. This yep, point. I definitely remember that. Yeah, I don't know. I was supposed to go watch it, I think, but that didn't happen. I got paired up with. I got paired up with a girl to do a project in like the la- the like the telescope range, like to look for that. Didn't get the number. I didn't ask. I should have. Really? You know what? Yeah, I, it was. It was one of those things that obviously things worked out. Yeah, hundred percentile best outcome in my life relationship right, wise. Say. So it's right. for the best. But it was one of those things where I I walked out and I was like, oh, like that was a thing. You, you blew that. Yeah, and then like talk. in the the class is one that had like two hundred or three hundred people in it, oh, so it was yeah. impossible to like sit next to the girl and find her in class. 
I'm glad I didn't like, find her. I'll say that. I'm glad I didn't find her. What a, yeah, that that <laughs> that intro text could just be like, oh, the sky is beautiful tonight, isn't it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you ever did you ever know why the sky is blue? <laughs> uh, that's a good transition to the tourney, I think. Yeah. All right. Works. I love my I love my soon to be wife. I think it was just a hilarious. <laughs> Some of my previous pre Ashley romantic escapades, I think, are hilarious in retrospect, and I'm happy for the failures because it brought me to oh, yeah. true happiness. You, the story that's everyone's goes, story, right? It's right. It's everybody's story. Like the failures are literally what what you built your your success on. You like you look the back. Howie, at that's, the, that's the Howie Roseman mentality. Yes, the, <laughs> that's what gets you the extension. You look at all the failures. <laughs> <and> <laughs> All right, so we're we're talking on Thursday, late Thursday morning, getting to be Thursday afternoon at this point. So Sweet Sixteen this weekend, obviously we are gambling podcast to degree. I don't necessarily want to tackle these Thursday games too too much because it might be, uh, you know, irrelevant by the time you're listening to this. But we have yeah. Arkansas plus nine and a half against Gonzaga, Nova minus five against Michigan, Texas Tech one point favor against Duke, Houston one point five dogs versus Arizona. I like Nova. I like Houston. So they're probably both going to lose. I did a little, did a small parlay on Houston money line and Nova uh, minus five. Um, I like Houston. Um, Arizona. They are the are they the best five seed in the history of sports? I would say so. They're tough. It doesn't make, I don't understand why. Just because they were playing in what like uh, the AAC. AAC, yeah, yeah. Their conference is weird, but they're tough. Yeah, they're yeah, really they're really tough. Um, they're big. They rebound and and they play, they play defense for all forty eight minutes. They're grinders. They're grinders, and not like the dorky white guy mid major way. Those dudes are like legit, amazing Um, defenders and tough. The one thing about Arizona though is Arizona is Arizona also has they're like a typical Arizona team that's been good. They're really athletic. I mean, they got guys that fly up and down the court and they can score a lot of points. they will get. Uh, we'll, you'll appreciate this. Uh, they'll get out rebounded most mostly every game, though. <laughs> um, like another professional team big, that we know. Big, um, big Sixers energy, right? So, um, but Arizona. But I, you know, Houston's tough. But I, I would not. I no disrespect to Arizona, though. I, I think no. Arizona is you know as a one seed is um, they they earned it and they they can score and they can fly. And it's going to be a really fun game. But I think that. It'll be interesting though because I don't think I think Arizona's going to have to impose their will a little bit because Houston is going to come out and punch them in the mouth. Like they might literally punch somebody in the mouth. Like, that's how tough. I, I would, Jimmy Butler style, right? <laughs> and um, Nova, Nova, and Michigan. I do like Nova. I, Michigan has Michigan has a big that um, I'm not quite sure that Nova. Has anyone who can guard? You know, yeah. Michigan. So someone eventually has to have a big that just punishes Nova size wise, right? So that's we might run into that. Um, you know, to, I, I think that um, I think that Nova Nova's guard play and their defense is is good enough to win. But I will be I will be interested to see how they react to um, how Michigan throws throws their bigs at them because they're you know they're 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 one center is really, really good and really skilled and, and he scores uh you know a good chunk of their points. So um I don't think it'll be a walk in the park from over at all, but I, I obviously wouldn't be surprised if if they uh 
if they pulled away like they typically do in, in the last, you know, three or four minutes. Friday, we have the East Regional, and I guess that's the, the South. Yeah. I will be in attendance at the Wells Fargo Center for phillyvoice.com. I've never been to a March Madness team in my life. will be attending one. And what's great is that the team that's sponsoring it is my Penn Quakers. That's awesome. That's yes. so cool. Yes. Got a new what sport code in, Craig Sager style. You, uh, what time are you hitting down there? I'll probably get there like three or four. Yeah. I want to get there early and soak it up. Yeah, you got to. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll have UNC there. Do you think MJ will be there? Yeah. So I so I don't I think I'm allowed him. to ask him for a selfie, nor do I think I want to – would he take one with me? <laughs> but I might have to. I might get might my – I, I would get my press credentials revoked if it meant I had like a courtside pick with me in like a, a jacket and tie and MJ. I saw them practice, dude. Um, I saw them practice the last time that the East Regional was in Philly. I saw North Carolina practice. Roy Williams was their coach. Um, it was, dude, so many. You'll see, North Carolina travels really well. I mean, they travel like you'd expect a blue blood to travel. They travel yeah. very well. Um, I, I would imagine this week that, or this weekend, at least for your purposes, you're going to see a ton of um, UNC and a ton of um, St. Peter's. St. Peter's folks are coming out from North Jersey. We'll so. get some UNC uh, alums, I'm thinking. Yeah, you definitely get some UNC alums. Stack, Sheed, yep. Vince. Could yep. be a nice crew. James, also, big game, James. You know, um, depending on when they come, if you know, if UNC wins tomorrow, depending on how things look, you might, like Danny might be there. You know, they're in That's LA. They're in LA until they play Friday. He'll be back Sunday. Yeah, he'll be back Sunday. So it, it's going to be a. It's going to be a star-studded affair, I, I think, for sure. I really want St. Peter's to win. Me too. I love St. Peter's. I, I think they're – I love it. I think they're great. I listened to an interview with their coach on part of my take this week. Nice. He was in. He was incredible. And the stuff so he good. said about kids from North Jersey and New York City aren't scared of the Blue Bloods or Kentucky. And he was saying all this stuff like, you know, what do you say to your kids? Like the stuff he was saying in the interview were awesome. They're like, what would you say to your kids to hype them up if they're playing Kentucky? And he's like, if I need to have a hype speech for these kids when they're playing at the University of Kentucky, then they shouldn't be on the floor. Some of these kids think they should be at Kentucky. Right. And this guy was just right. amping me up. Like I was getting like effing like jacked walking to the subway listening to Well, him. you know, he's like, he's, um, he, he used to play with Seton Hall. Yeah, he was the, like he, the last North Jersey school to make the – or just Jersey school, I should say, to make the yep. Sweet 16 yep. was a Seton Hall squad that he led. That he led. So he's, he's getting he's that – he's getting the Seton Hall job in like the next two years, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, this is – he'll have probably – I think he – I can see him – I think he's amazing. I could see him ending up at, you know, a, a, a near blue blood. He's taking the – He's taking the Shaka Smart. Yeah, he's, I was literally about to say, he seems like the next Shaka Smart. You know, Shaka took VCU, you know, Texas. Now he's got Marquette. Like, he, you know, he's a guy. I would not be surprised if Shaheen Holloway turns into that guy. He just some, – some guys just have it, man. Sometimes you realize that what you have is special. Anyway, and obviously, look, 
once that time comes, it's probably not going to be after this tournament, but a blue blood or another, you know, a mid mid majors going to come calling, and he's going to roll, and they'll thank him for everything he does. Like, dude, the the amount of notoriety and he changed the know, complexion of that school's not the athletic program, the entire university's future. AMDJ. Always and forever. Forever makes you rain. Purdue doesn't scare me at all. They were like the most like inconsistent Big Ten team possible. I I didn't take the the line in this game. Maybe I do tomorrow or whatever, but plus 12 and a half is a lot. And I get there so, a 15 seed going against a three, but it's the third it's it's a cliche, but like the, the seating doesn't matter anymore once you hit the sweet sixteen. At this point, is it there's no seed doesn't matter. There's no seeding doesn't matter at this point. You've already seen it. They're not scared. If this was the first round, sure, but they're not scared. And also, you know, Purdue, Purdue could have, could have, should have, would have lost last week. Yeah. I mean, they got Jane Ivy, who for, for all my money could be best player in the court in, in any best game, in the right? Court in any game, he's probably going to be not probably. He is going to be a top three pick. Should be a top three pick. Um, he definitely should be the first first guard slash guard taken. Yeah. you know, um, and he. He's a he's a guy who um, has worked on his jump shot in particular. He's 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 got more athletic. He's big, um, so it's it's gonna it's not gonna be easy for St. Peter's. I mean, it hasn't been easy for St. Peter's, but Jay Ivy is is not coming in to to be a part of a Cinderella story. Like he's he's a killer. So I I'm I'm, I'm excited to see the game, to see him play, because he Definitely. is certainly a um, he certainly will cut his off, but. Um, you know, St. Peter's isn't scared. I, I, it's going to be a close game. I don't. I don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. Is Iowa State Miami the least juicy Sweet Sixteen matchup ever? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. to overlook what these kids have accomplished or anything like that, but right. I'm kind of glad that's the late game while I'll be at the regional watching one of the other games because like that's a game I'm okay missing. Yeah. Which means yeah. it'll be a double overtime. It'll be right. It'll be triple overtime, shot. of course, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't. I haven't. I like Kansas minus seven and a half. I think they they their region is the worst region. I yeah, think Providence is you know Providence is Providence is admirable. Ed, Ed Cooley's a good coach. Ed Cooley's a good coach. Um, you know Ed Croswell, uh, prep guy. Shout out to him. Um, but they're they might be a little bit outmatched, Kansas. Can shoot the lights out, and they got a they got a bunch of veterans on there who who've been through this a couple of times. So it might be tough sledding for the Friars. Yeah, is that for me? You got anything? I think that was nice. Did a little. Yeah, uh, that was good. I'm good. Man, I, I, um, you know, watch the games tonight. Sixers tomorrow late. Tomorrow's gonna be a late basketball night. That's, that's a two o'clock going to bed work game for me. Yeah. Work night Tonight, for me. I, I'm, but I, I'm not the sports I'm complaining about. I, I feel like I'm <laughs> a kid on Christmas. I, I hate that when people are just, eh. I mean, uh, I feel like a kid on Christmas Eve getting ready to go there tomorrow. Got a new yeah. sport coat, got some uh, nice new balances that I ordered. I'm, I'm very excited. That's so awesome, man. I'm so excited for you. I know it's going to be quite the experience. I, I've talked to people who've gone in a uh, you know, business capacity, and they've, they've all said that it's it's something that you should everyone should aspire to. You got you at least got to go to at least once one tournament game in your life. Yes, I like it. I like it. Did you go in 2013? I did. 
Um, and that was Did you a Florida Gulf Coast one. That was there. There's the that was the last one. The last one I've been to. Um, yeah. And it was thank you to I, I think I told Swaggy this last week too, but it was thank you to a a buddy of mine from college. Um, him and his dad were going, and he he had a third, and he was like, "Yo, if you're off, like me and my dad, you have a third ticket." I was like, "Dude, I, I'm gonna get off." Like <laughs> I, I literally, yeah. I was like, "Yeah," I was like, "Yeah, I'm sick." <laughs> like, like there was there was no debate. I can't come into that thing. Got strep yeah. throat. I was like, "Oh man, you won't believe." Must see allergies again. I'll, I'll see you guys on Monday. Yeah. Don't don't watch. TV. I need an antihistamine stat. Right. <laughs> Don't look at don't look behind the Florida Gulf Coast cheerleaders. You might you won't see me, that's for sure. You won't see me there. No way. Not at all. All right, that works. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'll probably do some Instagram stories and videos there. So if you want to catch up on what it's like being at the tournament in Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo Center, follow me there. And obviously on Twitter too, at Sheamus underscore Clancy. You can follow Zoe on Twitter at tweets underscore by underscore Zoe. Obviously, subscribe, leave us a nice five-star. Review if you could write one too, that's ideal. Bringing a lot of great coverage here. I should have a new from the bleachers episode ideally next week. Just been getting crushed with the new work schedule with phillyvoice.com, yeah. which I love. It's exciting, but uh, I need to get back on that, especially with the draft coming up. I know uh, we have a lot planned on the Bleeding Green Nation radio network for the draft itself, some instant reactions, a lot of good things. So stay tuned. NFL season, it just never stops. And that's the cliche. I'm not doing something like this league, this is dumb, but yeah. it speaks more so to the way that. The content will be great continuously through the draft, through the summer, through training camp, to the regular season here on BGN Radio. All right. Talk to you later, bro. Talk to you later, my dog. Have fun tomorrow. I'll send you, I'll send you a picture of me and MJ. Yeah. With his yellow eyes. Ceiling is the roof, baby. <laughs>